Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. I'm excited with you to hear what it is that's on the Holy Spirit's heart. Might seem funny to you because I'm standing with the mic, but I definitely don't have everything together, so I'm excited to hear um, what God wants to share with us tonight. Um, Before I go on, there was something that God laid on my heart, and just for a moment, um, I will be disobedient if I don't do this, so if you will just for a moment close your eyes if you don't mind. Um, I just experienced... uh, um, um, a very specific experience of anxiousness and um, fear, fearfulness. Would you, would you be brave and, and just let me pray with you for a moment before we go on? If, if that's you, just quickly raise your hand and let it down again. Thank you. Anyone else? Lord, we are not leaving this hall the same. Will you proclaim that with me? I'm not leaving this hall the same as what I entered here tonight. We are serving a living God. Just for a moment in your own words, I'm just going to give a moment. Just, just proclaim that. Lord, I'm not, I'm not leaving the same. I'm not going home the same. Wash us, Holy Spirit. Cleanse us, Lord. While our eyes are closed, I just want you to know that there will be temptation for you to shut off somewhere throughout the evening. Please don't. Keep in step with what God is busy with in your heart. Just stay open. And while our eyes are closed, there was a second thing that I just want to pray through quickly. Um, I just had this experience that, that there's some of you that feel you want to spend time with God more than what He wants to spend with you. If that's you, can quickly raise your hand, please. Let's pray. If you felt like, Lord, I want to worship you and I want to be with you and I want to spend time with you, but it feels like I'm the only one. It doesn't feel like you are meeting me. It doesn't feel like you want to spend time with me. That you quickly raise your hand if you don't mind. Awesome. Thank you. You can put down your hands. Lord, we are not leaving this all the same. I know there's a lot of. Um, temptations and things that that want to draw our attention away from you Holy Spirit and we thank you that we can trust you to keep our focus keep our minds active listening open to what you want to tell us tonight Lord 
Holy Spirit, we trust you. Please reveal. In Jesus' name. Amen. Um, thank you for being brave and thank you for being open. Um, it, would, it would be weird to sit in a space in your heart where you um, experience certain things and we come in front of a living God and we leave the same, right? It would just not make sense. Just to listen to a few cute and, and well thought out stories and then drink coffee and leave. Um, it's not the idea. Um, so I, I saw an image this morning or I, I received the word from, from the Lord that I would just like to share as an introduction to the message tonight. Um, normally when I, when I prepare a sermon or I prepare a word or God lays something on my heart, I, I ask him for a prophetic word for the, for the session. And it's now the second time that I've experienced the same word for the morning service and for the evening service, which is, which is interesting and it, it um, I wouldn't mind sharing a new word because for some other reason it feels like I've already said what I've said. So I want to kind of go on, but I must keep on reminding myself that you didn't hear it yet. So um, I will, I will um, share it again as if I experienced it for the first time because I definitely need it. Um, it's important to me that you understand that what, what we are speaking about here in front challenges and shapes our hearts as much as it does yours. Please don't for any moment in time think that we are speaking about things that we have completely dealt with and, and we are at least in a very big sense perfect with regards to what we are sharing. We are open the whole time for a deeper revelation of what God is busy with. So we left home this, mo we left home this morning and um, Esme, this one that's sitting here in front, um, she she had a cup of coffee with her, and we we got out of the um, driveway and and going like this over the pavement, and and she tried to manage the coffee. I don't know when last you tried to manage a cup of coffee while you were driving. Did you recently? Like you says, it's what you do Okay, so if you leave the house 10 to 6 on a Sunday morning to come lay out cables, that's something you would probably do because coffee is very good that time of a Sunday morning. Um, so we, we were in the car and um, she did everything exactly the way she should. Um, she held on to the cup and, um, and I could see the coffee going like this in the cup. And her trying to, and, and the first thing I told her was, it, it doesn't help that you look at the cup, you must look at the coffee. Okay, so she was like, okay, so this doesn't really help me. Now at least I see I'm going to spill the coffee. Okay, <laughs> so I kind of felt I, I had some control over what's busy happening. Now at least I can see I'm going to spill coffee all over myself, but... Um, so, she, so she, she tried to keep it, and I noticed her elbows being in like this, and um, I told her, listen, you can't keep the, the, the cup like that, because every time the car goes like this, then the coffee is going like this, and you can morse up yourself, ne? and you're going to burn, and you're going to stink, milk, coffee, is not going to, because the coffee smell goes away, but the milk smell doesn't. 
especially not in your car. So I told her, please, <laughs> please be careful. And, um, and, and while I was busy with that, I was reminded about this word. In any other circumstance while holding the cup, she would have done the perfect thing by keeping the cup up straight, you know, not tilting it over or whatever. But because the car was moving, there was different type of influence needed for her to not spill the coffee. I will get back to this story now. I just want to read quickly. We are busy in a sermon series with regards to the true um, gospel. 2 Corinthians 11 verse 1 to 4. It's not on the board, so um, don't worry, you guys. Um, It reads like this. I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness. Do bear with me. For I feel a divine jealousy for you. Since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you you receive a different spirit from the one you received, Or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. Genesis 3 verse 4 is the scripture um, that's mentioned when when it says in verse 3, But I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by cunning, your thoughts will be led astray. As the serpent deceived Eve by cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. And what did he say? We find that in Genesis 3 verse 4. He said, But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. Now many a times when we hear influence, or the Holy Spirit speaking to us, there's a sense of, I already know this happening. I already heard this. I already experienced this. I already read this. I already went through this. This is something I've dealt with already. Please don't do that. In Genesis 3, I mean, it's the third chapter where the liar is questioning what God is busy saying, and he still uses that exact same tactic today by just questioning what you know God is busy saying, and he disrupts everything that God is busy with in your life. So just like me telling Esme, normally that would have worked if you stood still or if you sat on a chair at a coffee table or whatever. But for now, I need you to hold the cup differently because it's going to spill if you keep it the same. The Holy Spirit comes and he reveals to us, you thought you had it, but I need you to focus differently for this specific setting and this specific season in your life. Please don't allow questioning of God's word in your, in your heart to let your thoughts astray. Do not be in a place where you decide, I'm not going to allow God to speak into a certain place in my heart. Is that okay? So as we go through the scripture tonight, um, let's be open. Let's be open to the Holy Spirit and... Um, I know 
he's already busy revealing certain things. I sense it in my spirit, and it's it's okay. Please don't be scared or be unsure or be uncertain. Just just stay here, stay focused, and stay open to what God wants to reveal. Today we are speaking about the fact that there's a risk at receiving a different spirit from the one that you received at salvation. There's a risk that you will be influenced and that you will be called and led astray from a pure and sincere devotion to Christ through a different spirit. Now tonight as we speak about the Holy Spirit, it's very important to say that to determine what's, what spirit we are busy with, it's not like we experience um, two different spirits standing and, and it's easily identifiable or it's easy to see and the one has kind of a board on its head saying, I'm the enemy, like Vian shared also last week and the week before. You know, the enemy doesn't come and say, Hi, I'm the enemy. You would never do that because it would never work. In most cases, even, even those of us that, that, that's afraid of stuff like that would probably be able to say no thank you <laughs> if we knew, right? It doesn't come in that way. So what do we do? We determine the work or the manifestation and we determine the atmosphere it creates. By doing that, it's easy to, say, to see Who's at work? Now, this might be confrontational to you because it was to me. And it still is. And I can still experience the fact that the Holy Spirit still comes and reveals these lies in our hearts as we, as we allow him to speak to us. So this is what we're going to do tonight. We're going to focus on the works and the manifestations of the Spirit and see when he's actively working, the Holy Spirit, what does it look like? When we speak about different types of Gospels, we can say there's a gospel of this, there's a gospel of that, of that or there's a, an idea or the, theology or doctrine or whatever, and we can measure it up, you know, against each other. But for me to say, here's the 3,000 deceiving spirits, and this is why we do not follow them, will take us forever. So we're going to kind of follow the same principle as what we would by, like the banks do. You know, they spend more time in discovering what real money looks and feels and smells and I don't know if they taste it, but, you know, they, they determine real money, right? And then by knowing real money, they know what is not. Does it make sense? So let's see what the Holy Spirit does, the works, manifestations, and the atmosphere the Holy Spirit creates, and um, let's be open and see. So when we think about the Father... We have kind of an idea, right? Planning creation, salvation, him choosing us, sending his son into the world, manifesting his love for us. We think about the son, Jesus Christ. We think about the person coming to earth, walking on earth, modeling a way of life, revealing a certain example, you know, going to the cross to reconcile us to God, rising from the dead, preparing a place for us. The moment we think about the Holy Spirit, we kind of go to the, to the idea of Jesus saying, I'm going to heaven now, I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit. And he will be with you. And if we are not careful, 
it becomes a very passive thing. So in that moment, we don't mean to, but in a way we kind of perceive the Holy Spirit as some sort of influence rather than a person. So, and I don't mean any disrespect, but it, it kind of feels like a flashlight getting a, a battery. You know? We, 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 we tend to somehow try to try to define the effect of the Holy Spirit in our lives as an infilling and then we wait for something to happen and you know it's not it's not a person that we identify with and we get to know and we we allow to transform us so if we take a step back before we go into the specific things we see the Holy Spirit in in three um, very specific revelations that's, that's kind of a broad overview. So I'm going to start off with this, and then, then we're going to dive into five other principles. So we'll see how far we can go. I'm not going to speak until you are all asleep. Um, let's, see, let's see how far we can go, and, and we take it from there. So the three things we see from the Holy Spirit. Whenever the Holy Spirit is part of something and, and is manifested, there's blessing. Whenever the Holy Spirit is part of something or is revealing or manifesting himself, there's peace. Now the moment we think of blessing and we think of peace and we think of power, we immediately are very self-centered. We think of blessing in terms of what I can get, right? When we think about the Holy Spirit's influence in our lives, we think about um, decisions I have to make, life choices I have to make. Um, certain conflicts or whatever that I need to deal with, certain financial stuff I need to deal with, certain um, principles I need to face, certain things I'm battling with and I need him to, to kind of reveal it. But we'll see now what this blessing looked like. When we think about peace, I want to challenge our thoughts. Um, without realizing this, when we think about peace, we think about quiet. Stillness, no conflict. And the scary thing about that is we kind of define peace as the absence of some form of influence of the enemy. Peace, quiet. When we look at scripture, peace has a completely different meaning. Peace... The word shalom means wholeness. It means health. It means security. It means well-being. It means salvation. It means everything, everything is right, in order, the way God intended it to be. That's peace. It's an active manifestation of God. It's not the absence of the enemy's work. So already we need to start thinking okay wait something is not right and if we look at power for example in in acts 1 verse 8 it says but you will receive power when the holy spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses now that word power is translated as dynamis eight out of nine times the word dynamis is used it's used within the context of working miracles so this power is not the power that helps me to stand up in the morning. It's the kind of power that works miracles. So if I think about blessing, 
And I only think from a self-centered point of view, if I think of peace as the absence of the enemy, and if I think of power as something that just serves my purpose, I'm already missing it. And I want us to quickly just allow the Holy Spirit to start as an introduction with this. In 2 Corinthians 5 verse 5, we see, He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God. He who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. That word guarantee, arabun, an earnest, earnest money, a large part of the payment given in advance as a security that the whole will be paid afterwards. So if we think about a guarantee being paid, this is not the way that we work in earthly terms. This is not I'm buying something with a thousand, or worth a thousand rand and I'm giving 200 rand. A large amount to me implies more than half at least. Right? Are you with me? A large amount means more than what's needed to show I'm really interested and I really care and I'm really with you. A large amount. So now we need to ask ourselves, and I needed to ask myself, am I, this, am I experiencing the spirit that I have received as a large part of the payment that's a guarantee that I will spend forever with Jesus, with the Father? Is this my experience when I think about the Holy Spirit poured out into me at salvation? Or do I think of the guarantee as the smaller percentage of my experience on that? And just to be in context, I just decided to go on to 2 Corinthians 5 verse 6 also. And it says, um, after that specific scripture, it ends off with um, giving us the spirit as a guarantee. And it ends with the word guarantee saying a large part of the payment has already been given. And it says in 5 verse 6, so we are always of good courage. So we are always of good courage, which, which means something was supposed to happen here if we were infilled with the Holy Spirit. Something was supposed to switch. Something was supposed to change. A large amount of my experience on earth was supposed to switch to the revelation of Jesus Christ rather than me trying to survive and cope on earth. And this is very confronting to me, because if this is true, which it is, it's scripture, and I should always be of good courage because of that, it, it means that this already is a very good indication of what my salvation was like, and of what your salvation was like. Are we busy facing earth and facing challenges here, as Holy Spirit is hard to find, Hard to hear, hard to experience, and the world is dominating, which means our, our idea of the guarantee is 5 or 10 or 15% at most, where Scripture says when you are saved, you receive a large amount as guarantee that should shape my perception of what I'm busy with here. And if we do not understand this, 
a lot of the rest will not make sense because if we have a kind of a poverty mentality where we think that I am in the least being dominated by the spirits and whatever on earth, not being infilled with power by the Holy Spirit, that will be the way I live. That will be the way I pray. That will be the way I speak to people and that will be the type of influence I accept. Right? So there's five, five different categories we can see. The, the moment we are saved and we receive a large amount as a guarantee, the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, there's a certain manifestation happening. And we can, we can categorize that specific manifestation in, in five different categories. So I'm going to say what the categories are and then... Let's see how far we can go. Okay. Very important. This is not the type of thing that you only want to understand. This is the type of thing that you want to allow to transform your way of thinking. Because you can leave here remembering all five points and just be as dead as you entered here tonight with me. And this is confronting and conflicting to all of us. Okay. Let's be open. The first, the first one is the Holy Spirit empowers. The second one is the Holy Spirit purifies. The third one is the Holy Spirit reveals. And the fourth one is the Holy Spirit unifies. And then the Holy Spirit gives evidence of God's presence in a stronger or weaker way. We are going to go through that quickly. Let's see. Let's start with empower. Remember, salvation, we are saved and we are given as a gift the Holy Spirit. That's a large amount, a guarantee that we will spend eternity with Jesus. And this shapes everything that we think and everything that we do. It empowers. In, in Job 34, verse 14 to 15, um, it says, if he should set his heart to it and gather to himself his spirit and his breath, all flesh would perish together and man would return to dust. So this empowering first and foremost is he is the one who gives life and he is the one who preserves life. If we think any other way, we are not part of the revelation of the true Holy Spirit. We are busy subjecting ourselves to a different spirit who is not speaking the truth and who is keeping us away from the revelation of who the Holy Spirit is in our lives. He empowers life. He gives life and he preserves life. When we become Christians... He gives new life and re regeneration, and we are empowered to follow him. We read that in John 3, verse 6. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. Romans 8, verse 11. If the spirit of, whom, of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. He empowers, he gives life, and he preserves life. 
So the first, the first point under empowers is he gives life, he preserves life. The second is the Holy Spirit empowers the service of ministry. We see that in the Old Testament. I'm not going to stand still with everyone. In Judges 6 verse 34, the Spirit clothed Gideon. In Judges 15 verse 14, the Spirit rushed upon Samson and the robes became like flax and the bonds melted off his hands. Can you imagine? Holy Spirit rushing on, on us, setting us free. Not only from, from emotional or spiritual bondages, but physical bondages. Things that were never meant, to, never meant for you. Things that were never supposed to stick, be able to keep your bondage on earth. Physical healing, physical salvation, physical um, yeah, healing. Isaiah 61 verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. If we think about service of ministry and we think about the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, what is the message that we are walking around with? If we are the ones empowered and inspired to walk in obedience to what the Holy Spirit is busy with, then there should be a message. There should be something flowing from us that proclaims good news to the poor. To bind up the broken hearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Can you imagine being someone walking around with a message like that? Now if we have it the other way around in the sense of the, the wrong idea of the guarantee of the Holy Spirit, then it means that we kind of find ourselves in a conversation where we see what people are going through and we kind of feel shame. I'm really sorry for you, but I hope, you know, because I don't have a message. cannot proclaim freedom for you because I'm not free. I don't live the freedom in myself. I can't proclaim something I don't have. I can't proclaim someone I don't have. I can't, I can't speak of any type of release or healing or freedom that I, that I don't know. It needs to be revealed in us. Please remember, we are busy thinking and speaking about the revelation and the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, the true Holy Spirit. This is what it looks like. In the New Testament, we see in Matthew 3 verse 16, um, when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. Before Jesus did his ministry, power came upon him. He returned in the power of the Holy Spirit after the wilderness. He healed the sick. He cast out demons. The blind saw. And all were amazed at the miracles he did. A walking miracle worker. Someone actively being led by the Holy Spirit. We read Acts 1 verse 8. I'm not going to stand still with that one again. Another way we see the manifestation of the Holy Spirit is the spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 11. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions 
to each one individually as he wills. The moment we understand that God wants to do a work in me and he wants to give me a message to share and to proclaim, it doesn't matter so much what gift I have and how it relates to someone else's gift, right? That's a very selfish thing to do if we think about it. You know, the moment we start determining gifts and talents and, and whatever, it becomes more a thing of what can I identify in you and what can you identify in me. And at the end of the whole conversation, we kind of feel a chip on our shoulders, right? I have the gift of whatever, but nothing's happening. It's not stirring. It's not causing an action. It, it's not driving me towards a gospel message. It's not, it's not stirring something in me to go share it with someone. It's something that draws the attention to me. Not the drowsy spirit at work. The gifts we are empowered with by the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Through the Holy Spirit is the only person that we can effectively pray. We can't even pray effectively on our own. We don't know what to pray. <laughs> Ever felt that? sat down with the intention of praying and you thought, I don't even, I don't know what to say. Don't know how to pray. We don't know how to pray. We are taught how to pray by the Holy Spirit. We are empowered to pray by the Holy Spirit and that's the way that we pray aligned with His will and that's the way that there's fruit on our prayers. It's not because of something that we can do good, <laughs> using the right words or whatever. Without the Holy Spirit empowering, there will be no fruit. There will be no result. There will be no benefit. And we could now ask ourselves, do we need more of the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in our ministries today? And it sounds maybe like a rhetorical question, but it's very important that at, at some point in our lives, we need to be honest with ourselves and say, do I think I can do this on my own or do I need, do I need the Holy Spirit to reveal this to me? <laughs> the second part of, um, of the manifestation of the Spirit is he, he purifies. He purifies. Now, as Vian shared last week, when last did... Did the Jesus you follow differ with you? Now, it's almost the same idea. If we think about the Holy Spirit that purifies, we can rightly ask ourselves, when last did the Holy Spirit we follow purify us? When, when last did he come and say, I need to heal you of this. This is not aligned with my will. This is not aligned with my character. When last when you prayed, you experienced the sense of, this is not aligned with God. Does it happen? Do you experience this in your life? Or is it just all, I don't know, um, comfortable and everything just goes well and you kind of turn your eyes away when there's certain things that confront you? It's, um, it's, it almost makes sense to think that the Holy Spirit in effect will purify given the fact that it's the Holy Spirit, right? Not only the Spirit, it's the Holy Spirit. It makes sense that he would purify. In John 16, verse 8, he says, And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin 
and righteousness and judgment. In 1 Corinthians 6 verse 11, it speaks of how he washes and sanctifies us. Matthew 3 verse 11, you can read how we, when we are baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire. Why? Fire not to have zeal or passion, fire to be purified. In most times in scripture when you read fire, it was for purification. It was not just for psyching someone up and... I used the example this morning, there was more kids in the service of brying marshmallows or whatever you like, you like to bry. This is not the kind of fire we are speaking about. This is the kind of fire that purifies, that washes, even metal, burns out every impurity that shouldn't have been there. He convicts of sin. As a believer, you know your life is different. There has been a cleansing and the Holy Spirit does that more and more. Exactly like the way when, when Jesus comes and, and he, he gives us the gift of salvation, we know the day and time in most cases of when we came to salvation, right? There's a specific moment in time that you feel, this is where my life changed. And purification works exactly the same way. It's not something that we that we are unsure or uncertain about when the Holy Spirit comes and he shows us specific things in our lives that's not aligned with his spirit, we know. And the moment he comes and he heals us from it, we know. It's not the kind of thing where we from a discipline stay away from certain places, certain people, certain laptops or certain whatever the temptation is and, and then kind of, you know, as a crutch, figure out a way to, to stay away from certain temptations. There's a healing that comes and there's no doubt in your mind that you have been healed and you have been restored the moment the Holy Spirit brings that purification. The second part of purification we see is he makes us holy. He makes us holy, which would make sense. The Holy Spirit empowers us, purifies us to be holy. We see in Galatians 5 verse 19, fruit of the flesh. And it's interesting when we speak about the fruit, we almost always go directly to the fruit of the Spirit, right? Because we skip all the bad parts. I don't know when last did you read that portion, but I was kind of surprised myself to see that, that the bad fruits are in 5 verse 19 and the good fruit starts from 5 verse 22. But whenever we speak of fruit, we immediately go to the good fruit, right? 5 verse 22, as if we kind of assume that's more my kind of scripture. Where scripture teaches us that there's a lot of bad fruit that we need to be purified from. Not as a work of the flesh, not as a work of a discipline, but as a work of purification from the Holy Spirit. A setting free of, being healed from. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18, beautiful scripture, just love the scripture. And we all with the unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. As we see him, as we are empowered and purified and guided 
and we see him, the inevitable outflow of his holiness is to repent of the fruit in my life that does not align with that. It's not even something that I consider keeping. It's not even something that I consider holding on to in my life. In fact, that's the only way we kind of find the courage to say, Lord, I'm willing to let this go because of what I've seen, because of who I've seen. As we look at him, we are transformed. Romans 18 verse 13, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. question we need to ask ourselves is do we need more of the purifying work of the Lord in our ministries and in our lives today now this is not something that I, that I can answer for myself and there's not even something that someone else can answer in your behalf not even your spouse or your, your child or you as a parent for them it's something that each of us need to answer for ourselves do I realize that I need to be purified by the Holy Spirit The third one I would like us to speak about is the Holy Spirit reveals. The Holy Spirit guides us. John 16 verse 13 says, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He is, He will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Whenever, ach, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he is, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. If we believe that my relationship with God is solely dependent on me, maybe we should take a moment and become quiet before him and say, Lord, I need you to empower me. Holy Spirit, I need you to empower me. I need you to purify me. I need you to reveal so I can be transformed. And I need you to teach me. I need you to show me. I need you to guide me. I don't know where to go from here. Instead of driving on my own accord, driving with my own ideas, driving with my own idea of, of how to follow God, as if I know, right? <laughs> it's not something we can know of ourselves. If we are filled with the Holy Spirit, there should be a sense of His working in us. From time to time, we sense more or less of an effect of the Holy Spirit in us. Now that's true of all of us, right? There's moments in time where you feel, I'm so overwhelmed by the experience of the Holy Spirit that there's no doubt in my mind that this is where I'm at. But then there's other times where it's harder to identify. It's a bit more quiet. It's, it's a bit unsure. So what do we do in those times? We use the scripture as our guide. As we follow Jesus Christ, we spend time in the Bible, we spend time in prayer. Normally there's fruit that affirms that we are walking in obedience to Jesus. When we meet up with fellow believers, it's very useful to ask questions. 
especially when someone says that they heard something from God. Ask them, what happened? How did you hear it? How did you know? What did you feel? How did you define? How did you see? Not necessarily because you question or doubt them, literally because we are learning. It's a lot easier to learn that way than to learn by trial and error and hoping you kind of get it right. It's because in most cases we do not have these kind of conversations that we learn so slowly. <laughs> we don't speak when we hear anything from God and we don't ask someone else, hey, when last did you hear something from God? Let's ask those questions. Let's be open and grow together, learn together, learn to follow God together as a family, as fellow believers. Two mistakes we often make, especially with regards to the Holy Spirit revealing specific things to us, is we become so, object, so subjective and feeling orientated that we throw out a very important part of our body, and that is our brain. Interesting that the more we, we tend to spend time with the Holy Spirit, and it becomes very touchy-feely and, and, you know, it's all only goosebumps and tears and everything. You kind of throw out your brain and, and fellow believers and everything, everyone that's there to, to stir and make sure that you are hearing from God, making sure that it's God speaking. Don't do that. <laughs> we are there for each other. Interesting that, that the Bible is not something that, that we read when we close our eyes. It's a physical book that we need to see. You need to internalize, you need to interpret, you need to read, you need to use your brain, you need to think, you need to internalize, you need to discuss with someone. It's not something that's an isolated thing, that's an individual thing only for you. It's something that we share with each other. The opposite side of this is we rule out the spirit leading altogether. Normally we do this when we had a bad experience, right? Someone came and said, listen, I have a prophetic word for you. And you were like, listen, this So we kind of chuck the whole idea of hearing from God and we just think, no, if it doesn't stand in the letter, it cannot be from God. And that's also not the right way of living. The moment we eliminate the Holy Spirit guiding us into a specific season or showing us what he wants us to see in specific situations, we kind of have to lean on our own understanding. And if you are that kind of person that's sitting with that coffee mug in that moment, there will not be a Holy Spirit able or allowed to actually tell you, hey, pass up, you're going to spill. Be careful. Neither one of these are good. What can we do? We take both and we share. We test. We speak. We pray. We spend time with fellow believers. The Holy Spirit provides a godlike atmosphere to manifest His presence. Um, this is interesting to me. When, when we think about the Holy Spirit and the atmosphere of the Holy Spirit, we... We sometimes feel, um, um, kind of feel unsafe, huh? exposed, but, but not in a good way, right? Sometimes you feel exposed and, and you feel, this okay. I, I told someone I'm battling with something and it wasn't easy and it, it wasn't nice, but there was kind of a, a peace going with it. There was kind of a freedom going with it. But when, when, 
a spirit who is not the Holy Spirit is manifesting and there's an atmosphere of an uncertain and an unsafe and an and a, um, a unsure experience, then it's most probably not the Holy Spirit at work. Because when the Holy Spirit is at work, there's an experience of love. There's an experience of righteousness. There's an experience of peace. Not the peace that we thought of in initially, right? Not, not the peace of there's nothing to think about, but the peace of busy being restored and healed. And joy. In some cases, there's a joy. There's a release. There's, a, there's an, an experience of healing happening. The last point um, I want us to quickly have a look at before we end. Um, Holy Spirit unifies. In Ephesians 4 verse 3, we, we see, be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit of the bond of peace. Um, when we think about the gifts of the spirit, I think it's in the previous point in, in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 12. Um, we see that the, that the gifts are given to edify, which means that it makes no sense at all that we see the gifts as something that divides us, something that makes us jealous of each other, something that causes a disconnect and an and a, and a, and a, um, a unsafe idea of what we do together as a community, where according to Scripture. When each one of us starts to obey the Holy Spirit, it should be unifying. It should bring us together. It should make us excited. Why? Because whatever gift and talent you are walking around with, when the Holy Spirit manifested through you, I'm the one benefiting, right? And when I'm obedient to the Holy Spirit, then you are the one benefiting because that's the, that's the reason why it was given. It was given so the Holy Spirit can be revealed, so Jesus can be revealed, so the body can be edified and there can be a greater revelation of who God is. And there's literally no one that does not have that gift as given by the Holy Spirit. It was given to all. And if you do not experience that, it needs, you need to ask yourself, what spirit am I following? What spirit am I busy with? If the Holy Spirit or this spirit I'm following is not empowering me, if the spirit I'm following is not purifying me, if the spirit I'm following is not revealing and guiding, and if the spirit I'm following is not unifying me with the rest of the body, I am not busy with the Holy Spirit. Now, just like salvation, it can be confrontational because we might think that we've been following him all along, right? And to me, it was very confronting because there, was very, there were very specific things that I needed to repent of. So, in closing, I want us to pray through these four points. But I want us to actually in the same time open, our, open ourselves to allow the Holy Spirit to guide us also. So, when you think about the Holy Spirit according to Scripture, 
And I think about the fact that the Holy Spirit is the one that empowers me. The Holy Spirit is the one that purifies me. The Holy Spirit is the one that reveals God's will. And the Holy Spirit is the one that unifies. What's busy happening in my life? What am I seeing actively happening in my life? Is this what I'm seeing? So I'm going to give a moment and then I want us to pray and allow the Holy Spirit to reveal what is it that he would like to share with us tonight. Um, I know we can grow in every area. All of these, I'm sure we can identify specific growth areas, but there's specific things that God is busy sharing with you as you sit there where you are. Lord, I know that you empower, but I don't experience it. I know you purify, but I don't experience it. I know you reveal, but I don't experience it. It feels like I'm going through life on my own. I know you unify, but it doesn't feel like that, Lord. So I want us to be honest with ourselves and be honest with the Holy Spirit. And the second thing I want us to do, and um, I want this half of the wall to look at this half of the wall, and this half of the wall to look at that half. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit if there's someone that He wants you to pray for. If there's a word that He lays on your heart for someone on that side, or from your side, someone on this side. So what we do is. As the Spirit reveals, we don't take anything into our own might or into our own understanding. So what I normally do when the Holy Spirit starts to lead me and He says, Henny, we're going to walk this way, I ask, Lord, tell me when to start walking. I'm not assuming. I ask, Holy Spirit, how far should I walk? I'm not assuming. I'm asking while I'm walking, Lord, tell me when I need to stop. I don't assume, because he's the one that's guiding. He's the one that's showing. So if he reveals something to you tonight, don't, especially if it's your first time and you don't know it or whatever, don't be so excited about it that you go and scare someone off, okay? <laughs> we want them back. <laughs> when he reveals something to you, pray, ask, Lord, this thing that you revealed to me, what do I do with this? Do I need to tell it to them? Do I need to just pray over it? Do I, what do I need to do with it? And if he tells you to go tell it to them, go. And then as we walk towards that person, we say, Holy Spirit, please give me the words. Tell me what to say. Tell me how to convey this message. Tell me how to speak up about what you showed me. Because this is not just a theoretical thing that we are speaking about tonight. The Holy Spirit is real. And we received the full portion of the Holy Spirit as we were saved. So let's take a moment. I'm going to end up for us in prayer. And we're going to pray through this on your own time. And I want you to, um, to take the moment also and to say, Lord, show me if there's someone.